Hello. How are you, Ben? I'm good, Don. How are you? I'm good. It's getting cold here in New Jersey. It feels like uh, fall. Oh, man. That's, well, because it almost, I mean, it is almost fall. Almost. That's, see how we did that? We just dated when we recorded this. <laughs> so people will be very puzzled when they're listening to it in January. Well, they, yeah, exactly. It, does it, Don, does it feel like fall 2014 to you? It does. Fantastic. Hey, uh, so how do I sound? Do I sound okay? Yeah, you sound good. Good. I'm, uh, this is my new uh, home setup. Oh, you're um, you're podcasting from home today. Oh, it's amazing. Well, Whoa. yes, I. Uh, that's why I was. I, I said I had needed a couple extra minutes because I had to eat some lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I did. I, I reheated um, some uh, pork uh, that I made last night and some sweet potatoes because I'm at home and I didn't have to. Well, I guess I could have done that in my office too, but it was just easier mm. here. I didn't have to transport it, worry about temperature or any of that stuff. But yeah, I'm at home. I'm not even wearing pants. Thanks. I am. I. I. It's cold here, so I am wearing pants and and socks and shoes. And it's good you were a little bit late because you were finishing your lunch. Because until just a few minutes ago, there was a very very loud noise coming in. I guess from my neighbor with a leaf blower or something. But it was just really really loud, and it, it just finally ended. And and that's that's that should make for a better recording experience or a better listening experience uh, for our for our listeners. Is it, it, it? We are totally making this very dated with um, references to the fall and also leaf blowers. Well, I don't so know. I was a leaf blower like noise. I'm not sure okay. it was a leaf blower because, like, with the leaf blower, usually there's sort of like, uh, you know, it comes and goes and varies. And this was like just like a constant noise. So, but it was reminiscent of that. So, that's crazy. Yeah, that's, I'm glad that we don't have that issue with our with our podcast recording. Yes. Yes. Um. I'm just chewing. This will be mm-hmm. fascinating for mm-hmm. everybody. Um, again, with uh, with eating. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, how are you? Things good? I'm I good. Talked to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm good. It's. Uh, I'm just. I'm. Uh, it's been a quiet. Uh, <laughs> been a quiet week here in Lake Wobegon. <laughs> wrong. Wrong show. Um, it's been. Uh-huh. It's been a quiet time. Um, but I'm just now dealing with all of the travel that is soon to be coming, and I'm just feeling sort of the weight of all of that. So, I just today booked my my travel to the uh, IAFP um, Shanghai uh, Food Safety Conference. And then I've got to book travel right the week following that. And it's just uh, anyway, and and sort of things are heating up with uh, my trip to Brazil in terms of getting all of the pieces in place for that. And, And then speaking of the Brazil trip, the other very important thing that I took care of today was I went down to the courthouse and talked to a live human being in person to hopefully get my jury duty finally rescheduled to a time when I'm actually going to be in the country. I, uh, I had postponed it twice, telling them I can't do it on these dates, but if you call me during this time, I'm going to hold this time in my calendar. And then twice they didn't like read that apparently, and they just sort of kicked my jury duty sometime into the future. And, and, and this time I did the same thing, and they sent me back a postcard saying your appeal to reschedule has been denied. 
and I called him up on the phone Weird. today. Hmm? Weird. <laughs> well, so, uh, yeah, no, it's just annoying bureaucracy. And it's not, it's sadly, sadly, it's far too common. So I called them up on the phone today and the woman said, well, you've rescheduled twice. We can't let you reschedule again. And I said, well, t- twice I've asked you to schedule it during a certain time period and you apparently have not listened. She says, well, hold on. And then she puts me on hold and she goes and talks to apparently her supervisor. She comes back and she says, well, please send us a detailed itinerary. I said, no. No, let's not do that. How about if I come down to your office and I talk to you in person and we schedule that? And she's like, um, I guess that's okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and and I uh, I I actually live. I, it's it's not a direction that I usually walk, but I actually live surprisingly close to the courthouse. And so, I walked over there and I went through security, which was comically interesting and amusing. And I forgot to take my belt buckle off, which usually I remember to do when I'm at the airport. And um, anyway, so I made it through security and I went down and I had a very nice chat with a fellow by the name of Luke. I asked him his name because I, I want to be very sure that if they screw up once again, I at least know that I talked to somebody. I'm not sure whether his first name was Luke or his last name was Luke. I just said, what's your name? And he said, Luke. So I wrote <laughs> that down and we had a very nice chat about how his daughter went to Rutgers and she went to, uh, the, she plays the viola and, um, uh, she's, she wants to, I think the, I think she's in California and she wants to be part of the Sacramento symphony or something. I don't know. I sort of Viola Mason Gross school of arts, blah, 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 whatever. And, and the main thing is I am scheduled for jury duty January five, six, and seven, which is a crappy time to travel anywhere anyway. And I'm going to just, you know, hopefully fingers crossed that they actually got the message this time. Cause I, I would, I want to do my civic duty. I just, I'm just a busy guy, Ben. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And, and it's not like you're shirking this responsibility. No, I'm just, it just has to be scheduled like everything else in my life. And they, they apparently don't understand that. So have you ever done jury duty? Like, is this um, the, your first time? I have been a couple times. I have been in the pool and not selected. And then, um, oh, and that noise has started up again. So in case you, oh, I, no, I can't, I actually can't hear it. Okay. Well, it, it, may, it may get louder. So, um, um, uh, and then once I then I think we I think we've talked about this on the podcast, um, but I've definitely talked about this a number of times before. Once I actually did get put on a jury, and usually you go into the jury box, and and this is now apparently uh, law talk, <laughs> but anyway, it's relevant uh, to something, I suppose. Um, so apparently, if you if you well, my experience has been in the past. I tell them I'm a professor and I'm a scientist, and then it's like, oh god, we don't want a scientist on the jury. Um, right, and, and it all up, and, yeah. Exactly. All oh, their logical thinking and wanting to know the facts and, you know, all of that annoying stuff. Um, and this time I said I'm a scientist um, and I got put on the jury. And it turns out, um, I think the reason, so what it was, it was a shoplifting case where a couple of guys stole a bunch of stuff from a supermarket and they were caught coming out of the supermarket by the police. And uh, the police alleged that one of these guys charged with shoplifting had a knife. And so it was, it was not that they hadn't shoplifted. The question was, had they shoplifted or was it armed robbery, uh. right? Was there a knife? And so I think... <clears throat> 
probably uh, the defense wanted me on the jury because I'm going to be a scientist. I'm going to look for the evidence that there was a knife. I'm going to see that the evidence is just like circumstantial hearsay. There was no no knife actually ever found. You know, it was just the officer alleging that there was a knife. Um, and so. Uh, uh, in fact, I got put on the jury and we all, you know, the, the case went through all its things and, and, you know, we went back to the jury room and we're all looking at each other like, do you think there was a knife? I don't think there was a knife. No, there wasn't a knife. So we, we actually made, came to a decision very, very quickly that there was not a knife. Um, so I think that's why I got put on the jury. But I mean, I, I like, I mean, I don't, God, I don't want to spend, I don't want to spend two months, you know, on a murder trial because <laughs> that would be. You know, but, horrible. But yeah. I want to at least you know do my my civic duty and do my do my fair share. I mean, and again, I would be I would be glad to spend two months being on a on a, a jury trial. It's just that I have a busy life and I have commitments. Um, but anyway, so anyway, so hopefully uh, in January I will go and I will get not get picked for a jury, or I'll get picked for a very quick jury where I, where I can go and do my my civic duty. So anyway, that's my story for um, about jury duty for today. So I don't think you ever shared that with me. You might hmm. have shared it some other time, but I, I hadn't heard ah, that. Okay. Um, so so that's new. That's new content. Okay, we're well, good. Um, I've never been um, selected for jury duty for I guess for a couple of reasons. One is I think there's some, or maybe I, I have um, <clears throat> if I have been not selected, but I've you know the any time that I might have been invited to do jury duty. Um, I was not at my home address. Like I was in school as a graduate student. Mm. And then, you know, then, I mean, we did officially move to, to Guelph when we purchased a house there, but I, in the, um, I don't know, two and a half years that we owned that home, I did not, uh, was not selected. And then we moved here and I'm not, I, I'm pretty sure I don't think I'm eligible to, um, to serve as a, a resident uh, non-permanent resident alien. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, that, that was my next question was, could, can you actually serve? And I don't think you can. So I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think I have, so I can't vote. And if that's the pool that they oh, use, yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm then, sure it uh, is. then I'll yeah. never be selected. Well, until you get a green card or you become a citizen, I right? would have to be a citizen. Right. Yeah. The green card uh, is a non-voting ah, okay. Uh, okay. thing. So, cool. so anyway, yeah. So I've never done it, but I've, uh, I mean, I've watched multiple movies about juries, <laughs> so therefore you're an expert. Yeah, so I'm, I've seen I've seen Twelve Angry Men in uh, in a play as well as on uh, the screen. So uh, I don't know. Is that what it's called? Twelve Angry Men. The jur- it's a it's like a play I, from from the sixties or fifties. Could, could could be could be. Um, yeah, actually, speaking of popular culture, we recently watched um, Capote. Which is about yeah. uh, Truman Capote, and it's about the the murder trial, and then um, and actually the the most interesting part of it is that apparently his friend um, in the movie is um, uh, oh, what's her name, the author who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird, um, which is also another um, trial uh, trial yeah. based thing, which I which I did read as a, a kid and, and Harper Lee, Harper Lee, yes. Yeah. Read that as well. Love that book. Yeah, good, good book. Um, oh, and speaking of good, good books about um, uh, trials. Have you seen My Cousin Vinny? Uh, yeah, of oh, course. Such, such a great movie. <laughs> Got to watch that again. Oh, it's such a great movie. 
Is that <laughs> that was that was your question? Have I seen my cousin? Yeah. Yes. Oh no. Okay. I thought that was leading into like there's a book on the real life story of my cousin Vinny. Oh no! It's just a gr- just just an absolutely a great movie. And oh, and phenomenal. if you hadn't if you hadn't watched it, I was going to give you homework. Yeah. No. No. I have no, homework from last time. Was a little bit of follow up. You um, you did uh, tell me that I had to go watch a Clint Eastwood movie, and ah. I have not yet. Uh, been able to do that other than letters from Iwo Jima, which I don't think was what you meant. No. Um, and, and I'm a bad professor cause I forgot to even collect the homework or ask about right. it. So that's why I'm here, but I'm here you know, to, to remind you of my shortcomings. <laughs> uh, I, uh, so I'm still, I'm still, uh, out on that one. Um, but we did, uh, I mentioned this in the last podcast, we were watching a, a show on FX uh, called The Americans, and I ha- we have finished The Americans now, and it's um, and it's awesome. Or at least finished the most recent season, and it's about, remember, spying and um, uh, uh, illegal Russian spies residing in Falls Church, Virginia. It's really good. You got mm, right, right. The Amer- Americans spelled with a K. Uh, no, no. I don't think so. I think oh. it's with a C. Oh, okay. Maybe, um, maybe it is. Oh yeah, no. Uh, the Americans and 2013 TV series. That's uh, it. Yep. Oh, but it's uh, when when they show it, the C is a hammer and sickle. I That's knew there was right. some weird uh, thing. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, so we've speaking now that we've jumped to TV. Um, we've been watching uh, Intruders. Have you? No. Um, I don't know. Yeah, about uh, it's it's on after Doctor Who, and so we've kind of gotten sucked in. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a sort of weird and indescribable, um, if I could spell intruders, uh, uh, TV show. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, uh, it's, 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 uh, basically secret society devoted to chasing immortality, according to the IMDB entry. Um, but you, we were three episodes in and we can sort of barely discern that that's what it's about. Well, that's <laughs> so, always interesting. So it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of, kind of creepy and, and spooky. Um, oh, and speaking of other good TV, um, uh, um, Last Tango in Halifax, which we've talked about before yeah. on the podcast, uh, seasons, season two just came out on Netflix and we just finished watching all of season two. So, um, great, uh, great TV again that we, uh, uh, have enjoyed watching. I'm going to have to get into that. I, I gave it a chance and, uh, watching maybe the first 40 minutes of, a or 20 minutes, maybe of an episode one, you know, episode one mm-hmm. season one. And I just couldn't get into it. And it was, and I haven't, I haven't gone back to it, but, uh, Carolyn Dunn, my, my colleague, uh, loves that show. And uh, said so that this is the the next one I need to get into. So yeah, it's good. It's good, and I think it's a season is two. There's two series, uh, twelve episodes total, so six and six. It's not. It's not, and I think they're an hour long. So it's real. It's not a huge time commitment. So, and it's just. I mean, we we just. I mean, we love British stuff, and it's it's set in uh, Yorkshire, so it's got that Northern England accent, and it's just the the. It's just very. Yeah, and very compelling, interesting characters. And as much as they screwed up their lives in the first season, it's it's hard to believe they could do worse in the second, but they managed to somehow. Um, so fantastic, uh, yeah, excellent. Um, hey, so since we're in the uh, pop culture hmm. uh, portion of food safety talk, mm-hmm. um, I went to a concert on Saturday. Oh, it was awesome, and I've not been to a concert very many times um, since. Uh, since I got old and had kids <laughs> and all that good stuff. But I'm sure I'm going to go back to concerts again now that we've figured out the mechanism for babysitting and all that stuff. What is the mechanism for babysitting? Uh, you just hire a babysitter. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was 
there, yeah, there, there was a uh, there was a time where uh, we just couldn't figure that part out. Uh, well, and you know, I mean, it is having had young kids once. It is hard to, you know, it's somebody that you you know you want to trust them, and you just want them to do a good job, and you know they are your precious babies, and you know you want to yeah you want to feel comfortable about that. So I can understand yeah. that. There's that. I think it was less for us. We, I don't know if this is the Canadian in, in us. It's more about us leaving the kids and them being horrible. Like, oh, like, right, right. Like you, thing. yeah, right. Like, so you're, you're worried about the inconvenience to the babysitter. I get Correct. that. Yeah, I get Correct. that. Correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is not, I mean, that should not be the issue, but it, but it, it sometimes very much is like, oh, are yeah. they horrible? And then just trying to avoid the inevitable text or call, like, oh, I don't know where the popcorn is. <laughs> like the, just your, stuff like your internet is so slow. Why yeah, is yeah. your liquor cabinet locked? <laughs> exactly. I just don't want to put them out. I don't want to put the babysitter out. It's better just not to have one. Uh, so, um, you know, forget that we, that we pay them a, a, a handsome sum, right? Uh, market rate. Uh, but, but anyway, we, uh, we, we went out on Saturday night with a, a couple of other, um, foodie people. Um, including Dara Bloom. I think I mentioned in a podcast a while ago that we were hiring um, a faculty member to focus on local foods mm. in extension. Mm-hmm. And yes, so we hired this fantastic um, individual. She's a rural sociologist mm. and um, is all about supply chain stuff around local foods, has an interest in food safety. She worked with um, Walmart's, uh, her uh, PhD work was around uh, Walmart's um, penetration to the local foods market and how that changes supply chains. Oh, that sounds so cool. It is. It, and it has like vast like implications for the stuff that you and I do where it, you know, it changes the, the landscape of the, uh, you know, the food system. So anyway, she, she's, uh, she's great. And, um, and is into, um, music and, and food stuff and farm aid was here, mm. uh, in Raleigh. And so, um, uh, she was going with a couple of friends and Danny and I w- wanted to get tickets. And then we have another friend, um, named Liz who, uh, uh, runs, um, uh, something in cooperative extension. We host something called food core, mm-hmm. which is like AmeriCorps, but around food. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, and so we had, you know, just these cool dudes that, that I hang out with, the, um, all of our collective friends and significant others, we all went to a concert about food Nice, and yeah, it was cool. It was really interesting. So Neil Young was there. Oh, wow. Um, and, um, and so here's the, here's the lineup that, that we saw Jack White of formerly of the white stripes, um, who, who likes to, he likes to get his rock and roll tools out and, and rock, rock out. Um, we saw, uh, Dave Matthews. Um, who I'm not a I'm not a fan, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was uh, people seem to be into it, but not my, not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, John Mellencamp, mm-hmm. formerly John, John Cougar, Cougar Mellencamp, yeah, formerly John Cougar, yeah, formerly formerly just the Coug, <laughs> uh, formerly known as uh, as uh, Mountain Lion. Um, <laughs> he uh, he. Um, so so here's a, a little. So I don't I don't know a lot of John Cougar other than. Um, Jack and Diane, right? Um, little Pink Houses. Little Pink Houses. There's the the real name of that song, I believe, right? Oh, I don't. Is it a different song? I really. I that's know. about my limit of uh, John Mellencamp. Maybe that's the same. I don't know if it's the same one. He also sings a song called Cherry Bomb, which if you heard, you would know. Oh, I think I've heard that. Yep. And there's one about um, growing up in a small town. Mm. Uh, 
I was born in a small town. Right. Gonna, right, right. gonna die in a small town. Isn't that Jack and Diane? Oh, it's different. <laughs> it's, 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 it's you and I are exactly the same. That's that's exactly what I thought. I like, oh, I thought this is the same song. It's the same guy. Um, so he's he's kind of a crazy person um, and is one of the founding members of um, uh, Farm Aid. So he, he he sang. But apparently last year, so um, someone we were sitting with had been to a few other Farm Aids, and he uh, last year played none of his hits. Hmm. And like people booed him because they're like, mm-hmm. John Mellencamp, I know you're an artist, but play us the hits. Um, so, so anyway, that, that he, he was there, then Neil Young mm-hmm. and Neil played an entire acoustic set. Oh, with, very cool. Oh, it was so good. And, and one, one song on a pump organ, like <laughs> he has a pump organ and an acoustic guitar and that's his, his set. Uh, and then Willie Nelson, mm-hmm. um, finished it off Willie Nelson and family and mm-hmm. Willie. So here are the, the things that I took away from it. Um, I, I, I own a couple of Willie Nelson albums cause he's, you know, he's a, uh, an icon and has all these great sort of country blues, grassy folky rock songs from, from a while ago. And he's 82 years old or almost 82 years old. And he played, um, I, I really thought they were just going to kind of wheel him out and he'll sing a few songs, but he, for an hour and a half, um, played guitar solos. And I hope my fingers work as well at 81 as, as his do. I mean, I hope I kind of wish my fingers work, as well now as his do <laughs> right. at eight, almost eighty two, it was it was phenomenal. But Neil, so so here's the here's the the food safety food farm aid um, crossover here is uh, farm aid is you know an organization that was started by Willie and John Mellencamp and Neil Young to support farmers and to support the local family farm um, in in the U S. and to raise awareness about the food system and and it's a you know it's a, a a political organization i guess and it's um there there are some heavy political messages um and there is this really interesting i don't know vibe so i don't know if it's the same in new jersey the garden state where you have a lot of farms like we do but the there are many in the farming community who are not the most like hippie liberal kind of dudes or dudettes. And in the same way in North Carolina, we've got some real traditional agriculture, very strong, um, uh, you know, farm voice from a, from a conservative standpoint, from, um, a, a, you know, uh, let's, uh, let's support business and capitalism. And then we have another, you know, I mean, I guess it's like this everywhere, but we have another, um, different kind of voice coming from very small farms and talking about things like controlling seed and pesticides and, um, Monsanto and, you know, a lot of, a lot of different things, you know, there's, there's this, this whole world of food is there. It's polarized in, in lots of different ways. And so, so everything is, is very, um, you know, very cool vibe. Like let's eat a lot of food that's local. Let's support North Carolina. Let's support agriculture. And then Neil gets up and Neil's been, Neil's kind of preachy. And I like, and I like that about him. Um, I don't agree with, with some of the stuff that he talks about, but I, I mean, there are things that, that I love that he, that he churns out music that he really doesn't, doesn't care how the music's viewed, how his message is viewed. He's just doing his thing. And if people are with him, great. And if they're not, that's okay too. And he, um, it was described in the review that I read, which we'll link to in show notes, that he was um, doing uh, 
a TED talk. He 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 was just like roaming the stage in between um in between songs, just just talking about um the corporate takeover of of food and um the food industry being bad and and, and conversely that that farmers are being tricked by buyers uh, about what to do. And but it you know, like I said, I don't I don't agree with it, but I but I respect that that's part of the dialogue. But the people around us People were booing. I mean, it got it got hostile, but but oh, it was, because because there were like these big business farmer types yeah. that were not liking what he was saying. Exactly. Wow. Really interesting dynamic from a from an entertainment standpoint. Like it was there, there was a show inside the show here. Yeah. Uh, uh, about that, and, and and you know there. Um, you know, calls from people behind us saying, just play rocking in the free world, Neil, stop talking. And don't you know who's in the audience? And, and I'm sure he does. The guy's like, he's, he's been around, he's done farm aid for almost 30 years. I'm sure this is, you know, it's the first time that, I, that I'd seen it. And I've seen Neil give um, interviews about, uh, about food and about corporations a lot. And this is not, I mean, it's not like new Neil Young. This has been a, a conviction of his for, for a long time. And I, and, and like I said, I like, I like that that's, that's all part of what he does. Um, and we don't, we don't see this, you know, not that he and I are hanging out, but we don't see eye to eye on it, but that's, that's totally cool. But these people are really upset about it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I never, I never, I never, that makes perfect sense now that you've explained it. I'd never really thought about that. I mean, obviously I know, I know, you know, farmers, I know some of our county ag agents that work with these farmers tend to have very political, um, you know, conservative ideologies. And, uh, yeah, it's, that's, it's interesting that there would be that dynamic inside, uh, inside the, the concert though. It was, yeah, it was, it was crazy, not crazy, but it was like, it was, uh, um, it was an interesting part of, uh, of the experience. Um, there are also, uh, we, we got there a little bit late. Um, for you know the 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 festival started at noon and and we we got there around five thirty um, for the you know there are certain bands that we wanted to see and knew when they're they're starting but but during the day um, there was uh, something like forty or fifty booths that were um, you know agriculture uh, booths uh, pr- providing information about small scale farming large scale farming um, organic sustainable conventional whatever I mean there's a lot of information just about agriculture and the food system. And, and it was really this, um, you know, it's built around, um, sharing information and just raising the awareness of, of food and agriculture, um, which is not, you know, that, that's, that's hard to, uh, to argue against, um, on, on either side. It's, uh, you know, but some of these, um, these issues that farmers are facing, that the food industry is facing, that, um, that people are facing, I mean, uh, uh, there was a, a group there that was representing the interfaith food shuttle and there um, it's a, you know, a network of food pantries. So it's, um, you know, it's not food. This, this life that we have chosen, Don, is not just about um, food safety and, and, and large businesses or small businesses, but it's about food disparity issues. And, and all these things are part of the conversation. So you had this like one voice of, we need to pay farmers better market prices and the other voice of there's a lot of people out there that can't afford food. How do we divert some of the food that is available uh, to them and, and keep and, and subsidize that for those who are um, 
uh, you know, underprivileged or, or have issues with, um, with accessing food. And, and then there's this whole layer of, of nutrition and, and local foods on top of it. And, and, and us, you know, you and I are in this world of food safety, which is often not looked at as, as something that, that comes up in this local foods discussion other than things like, well, if it's local, it's safer, which we've, we, you and I have talked about a, a lot, but I mean, is it was cool to, to see that interface of, of our world and how it it's not um, the, 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 the discussions of the people that were around us as they're, you know, smoking illegal substances um, were, were about food and farming, but, but, you know, a very um, specific sector and view of it. And I, you know, I just kind of creepily listened to people as I was hanging out. So, so, so but now are these, are these conservative farmers that were booing Neil, the same people that were getting high? Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, think so. I think so. Uh, oh, was, my yeah. mind is just blown. It, yeah. See, it's, none of this is all that simple, right? No. Like it's, it, it, yeah. There's, um, and, and it's, I mean, now we're getting into, now it's politics talk, right? That's mm-hmm. what, what we do. But, um, but that's why it's so fascinating to see the world of Fox news mm-hmm. and, and, and that they're, um, you know, it's a, and, and I mean, all cable news, I guess, whether it's Fox News or MSNBC or CNN, it's all about let's provide a really simplistic look because people just want to um, digest something really quickly. And, and, and on, you know, let's on purpose make this a, um, a, um, uh, let, let's make it, let, let's take away some of the extraneous discussion and, and focus on three or four main, main points that are very black or white, yes or no kind of questions. Yeah, Where, just, just give me 140 characters of something to be upset about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and that's, you know, it's, it, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of fun to, to be part of that in a, in a way. <laughs> yeah, and, and kind of as a related, a related thing, one of the things that I did today was I had a conference call with my colleagues from uh, New Jersey Association for Food Protection because I sit on the board, and there's one person who's on the board who's very interested in GMO foods and, and has um, kind of become interested in this uh, anti-GMO uh, person by the name of Robin O'Brien and, and very much wants to bring her to speak at one of our meetings and with the idea that maybe it should be a discussion or a debate. And so, you know, I got involved recommending a couple of colleagues that could maybe talk about the pro GMO side or, or could talk about really about the science. Um, cause I don't think they would say they were pro, they'd be their pro GMO. They're just pro science, but, uh, yeah. And just interesting, interesting discussions around that same sort of issue. Um, Man, my my issues were mostly logistic. Like this, for example, this person um, charges a six thousand dollars speaking fee. So you know, how are we going to handle that? Yeah, exactly. So um, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty serious speaking fee. It is. It is. So we, um, you know, I, I have a little bit of history in this world of GMOs and genetic engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's really how I got into. To food safety in a way. It was Doug was working on this whole world of public risk um, mm-hmm. information and communications around it. And um, it, it, it's funny, the, the discussion that's going on, this is, this is in, a, a, in a weird way, one, one of the times where Canada is ahead of the U.S. Um, the discussion that's going on right now is, is reminiscent of a lot of the public discussions that were going on in Canada in 2000, 2001 around labeling. I mean, it was a hot button topic and it wasn't as important here then. 
Um, but, but it had been already really important in Europe. And, you know, it was, it was interesting to, as, as a, I was finishing my undergraduate degree in molecular biology when this was all going on. So there's this very applied use of, of the things that I was learning. And, and it's another, you know, great, great example of, um, of your, your favorite line of, well, it's complicated, <laughs> right? We're, yeah. we're looking for a, a pro anti let's, let's all talk about this, but there are two sides and there's, I, I feel like there's not, it's, there's a lot of sort of gray and on both sides, you can, you can see sort sort of these arguments of how it, it comes up and, you know, the, the whole push on labeling as a consumer choice issue ends up having the unintended consequence, or at least it could, like it did in Europe, where that took away consumer choice who people who were looking to purchase genetically engineered foods because they're cheaper, they didn't they weren't concerned about the technology. I mean it's like, well, if you're if you're pro GMOs, then you're anti choice, or if you're anti GMOs, then you're pro pro choice in a non abortion way. We're right, right. But it, well, yeah. but it's the same yeah. again, it's the same sort of discussion and debate. So yeah. It, it is. And and we're you're right. I mean we're kinda we're a little bit wrapped up in it because I think folks outside of food safety would look at GE foods as a food safety issue where where maybe maybe it is from a allergen or toxicology standpoint but in our world of food safety and the stuff that that leads to the um to the you know greatest number of illnesses that that we know about are, is from the food microbiology it's really not in our world um so much right and i think that the the safety of gmos in terms of food safety i think it's it's pretty much a settled issue although i'm sure the you know radical anti-gmo folks would point to issues but i mean you know clearly regulatory agencies have decided that this is not a high priority i think where it gets a little more interesting is well what about the impact on farmers and what about farmers who accidentally have gmo seeds end up in their field and get sued by you know agricultural companies i mean i'm you know um i don't I don't have any personal knowledge, but it seems to me like there's a lot of well thought out people whose opinions I respect don't have a lot of respect for Monsanto because of some of their business practices. But again, now I'm well outside my area of expertise. So if there's anybody (laughs) Monsanto who listens, please, uh, please email Ben. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because I'll, I'll take the hit on this one. uh, um, Yeah. The person that, that they want to invite, is it, um, what was what was her name? Robin something. Robin O'Brien. We'll link okay. to her website. Uh, uh, Robin with a Y. O'Brien. We'll link to her website. RobinO'Brien.com. Gotcha. We. Um, she's been reason- ca- she's been called Foods Aaron Brockovich by Bloomberg and the New York oh. Times. Well, there you go. I'm going to call you Foods Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> Don Schaffner. He's been called Foods Aaron Brockovich by Ben Chapman. By Ben Chapman. <laughs> yeah. By by Barfblog.com. <laughs> um, so uh, we my, uh, there was a summer reading program at NC State, and the reading you know the book that everyone was um, or that had been selected that was provided to faculty and staff and students uh, to generate discussion uh, was one uh, something called Tomorrow's Table, and it's by uh, Pamela Ronald and um, Raul Adamchak. And so when you, uh, that's why I was checking to see if this was the same person, mm-hmm. but it's, it's kind of this narrative of, um, a, uh, um, a couple who one is a, 
a sustainable farmer, organic farmer, mm-hmm. and the other one is a, a food biotechnologist. Mm-hmm. Oh, and cool. yeah, and so they just kind of go through their, um, you know, their their trade offs, and they're at um, UC Davis, uh, and it's it's kind of a neat, it's a neat read. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it it approaches the situation, I think, in a real realistic way where um, they're. It's not pro and anti, but it's mm-hmm. yeah. It might it depends, and it it might work in certain situations really really well. And here's what we know about it. Well, and and, and the fact that it's co-written by a husband and wife team, uh, where one is an organic farmer and the other is a biotechnologist, to me immediately it's compelling because immediately it's messy and complicated. And guess what? That's what life is like. I, anybody that tells you that that it's simple and they have one answer, you know, like run run the other direction from those people, right? Right, right, exactly. Oh man. So, so anyway, that was that yeah, that was that was the stuff that I that I did this weekend. It was uh, it was cool. And it's uh, yeah, it was it was fun. Hey, so I got oh, I just snapped my fingers at the mic. You probably heard it. <laughs> I heard that. Very nice. So, um uh, I got something else uh, to ask you. Okay. I actually have a quiz for you, but I'm going to save that for later on. Okay. Um but it, as I mentioned, I texted you and said I have a quiz, but it's a one question quiz. <laughs> okay. Um, and it came, and the quiz came from uh, a journalist who interviewed me. So, oh, so cool. we'll, say, we'll come, we'll come back. Um, okay. So, but uh, I did this uh, um, Twitter chat. Uh, oh yes, punches. And I wanted. So <laughs> this is kind of a twit. This is kind of a quiz too. Uh-huh. Um, you jumped in with with the best question of all. So. <laughs> no, I just. Yeah, my I. Uh, when we'll we'll see if we can find a link to the to the to the Twitter Twitter post, but yeah, it was just. I mean, Ben, you know, Ben was doing good, useful work for IFT, talking about the the safety of packed lunches, and I was there just trying to be, you know, I, my job, Ben, was to show that people can be part of Twitter chats that are maybe trying to take things off track. Uh, so that was that was my role was uh, was the uh, the annoying person that wants to talk about superheroes on lunch boxes. <laughs> it was good. So uh, all right, I wanted to get you I haven't talked to you about this. Okay. Um, and I you know I know by your um uh your very quick like within seconds favoriting and retweets of things that I mention you in mm. that you are you're 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 a connected guy. Like not not, <laughs> well, not in a my cousin Vinny kind of way. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you in on my secret in just a few minutes. But go ahead. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so so I did this this I this is the first time I've been involved in a Twitter chat, mm. and mm-hmm. um, I've followed some in the past, but I've never actually done one. I mean, we've had lots of conversations on Twitter, but nothing that was sort of revolved around an issue that someone moderated, and it was. It was it was kind of hard. It was harder than I thought it was going to be, and it was because just like with Twitter, like we were talking about before on getting upset at um, you know something in 140 characters, I had to um, provide some information in 140 characters that was an question, an answer to a question, and sometimes it was often like kind of a complicated question. And it was um, I don't know if you've if you've done one, but it was not um, I. I had I had stuff prepared. I had I knew what I was going to talk about. I had written an article um, for North Carolina Health News uh, the week before, and had written a couple of blog posts in the last month or so on back to school food safety and packed lunches. So I had like my own bullet points, but they weren't formatted in. Here's a 140 character tweet. Um, so the feedback that I'm looking for is, did what? I mean, you followed it a little bit. What did you think as an as a 
outsider following my tweets? Like, was it coherent? Was not just, and I, I mean, I'm not asking you if, if I was coherent because that's a loaded question, but was like, was there any value to anybody following it? Cause I've never done one. I don't know if it's useful or, or not. Well, right. So good, good question. So, so let me, let me uh, reveal the, my, <laughs> the way that I, that I, I use Excellent. Twitter. Um, so I have two, two apps that I use for Twitter. I use the, the Twitter app on my iPhone and then I use something called um, Tweetbot. Um, and I, the, w- the reason why I use the Twitter app is it has this feature where you can say, look, if, if these people tweet, I want a notification on my phone because yeah. my, the, my problem with Twitter is it's just, it's such a intense stream and usually I'm doing something else. And so I don't want to just, because I could just sit there and I have, I have done it like during the Super Bowl uh, cause it just was fascinating to, to watch the tweet stream during the Super Bowl just because it's, it's in, do you just feel like part of a larger group? Right. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Where so if there's some event I, that's immediately the place that I want to go to see what what's going on. Right. Yeah. But but the the way that I use the Twitter app is there's certain people that I have notifications turned on from my phone. So Aww. if yeah, <laughs> so if you tweet and it's basically I think it's I think it's just four five people. So it's you, it's my my son Merlin, John Roderick, and Lex Friedman, and and so basically, I don't really look at Twitter unless one of you guys says something. We alert you to look at look yeah, at Twitter exa- now. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. So it it periodically will draw me in, um, and and then of course I will. There are certain times when I'll say, okay, I'm going to go on Twitter, or, or maybe it's in response to a tweet from one of you guys, and then I go on Twitter. So I. All I saw on my and I and there were two there were two times you did this and boy one time I was in um, uh, Italy um, on pretty crappy hotel Wi-Fi um, and then the other one I was in New Jersey and I was having dinner with my wife um, and uh, we were eating at a Panera and she was and then she went shopping um, and so basically all I saw was your um, your tweets, uh, and then, and then, you know, and, and then I would, and then with the way Twitter works, and we're going to explain now how Twitter works to people on the podcast, apparently, because that's the thing Twitter that you do. Twitter talk, Twitter um, talk. so, you know, you can say, okay, Ben tweeted this, and then I'll go in and look at your tweet and then I'll look at replies to your tweet. So, um, so it, I didn't, I didn't sit there and sort of watch the whole thing. I just saw periodically saw your tweets and then, I'm, again, Twitter is kind of weird. Depending upon the the Twitter app you're using, you might see like if you if you at reply somebody, but the at reply is first in the message. I, that may not come to my might not get notified of that, or maybe I do. I don't know. I really don't know how Twitter works. But um, so, but yeah. So I didn't follow the whole thing, but certainly the tweets that I saw that you sent. And the other thing is notifications don't always seem to come to my phone, um, which may have to do with internet connection, whether you're on Wi-Fi or whether you're on just on, um, you know, cellular. So, but, but what I saw of it certainly seemed interesting and it seemed like you had some good discussions, but was the whole thing sort of cohesive and comprehensive? I couldn't answer cause I didn't really look at the whole thing. Yeah. It, well, that's, that's a good answer though. I mean, cause I think you're, I mean, I, I don't think many people are just sitting there watching the stream either. And, um, and people are, you know, I'd love to see the the visual representation of these chats where 
I'm saying something and, and, and people are seeing it in their stream, but then all of a sudden um, either a question comes out that I've retweeted from somebody or something I've said has set off this like retweet um, a favorite fest that then ends up in all these other streams and then people are jumping in. It is It was really fascinating. So I just went back as we were talking about this and tallied up the site. I did it twice. Mm-hmm. And the second time, I can see all those in my feed still. And I, I tweeted 46 times in an hour. <laughs> and um, that was like a lot. Like for me, for, you know, just the trying to coherently put stuff out there. And then I'm answering side questions and I'm following a hashtag. Plus I'm following the, anybody who's tweeted at me who might not have used the hashtag. Right. Um, and then there are all these multiple things. And some people are asking questions that were already answered. So I can just cut and paste this tweet. Mm. Um, but it was, it, it was a stressful conversation in the sense that I felt like if a question was out there, I was going to answer it Mm -hmm. or at least I'm going to address it. I Mm -hmm. might not have an answer for it. Um, and it's different from doing media work where you you're having this relay between back and forth between an interviewer or an interviewee. And sometimes you, you probably find this as well. There are probably questions on that interviewer's ledger that you're addressing with previous answers to their previous questions, you know, like, like, Oh, I was going to ask you about that. And you've already highlighted it where this was not like that at all. Like it was just a whole bunch of stuff that was flying at me. And it was this weird, like stressful situation. And I, I don't know if it was like, I don't know how useful it is, I guess. Well, and, and certainly if it's a one-on-one with an interviewer, you know, you're thinking and you're processing and you're trying to keep the conversation going. If it's a panel discussion, it's the same thing. But Twitter is really so multidimensional. And like you said, you're following the hashtag. You're wanting to respond to everybody that that at replies you, plus you're generating your own content to keep the conversation going. To me, the thing that I kind of worried about for you would be like, what if you gave a Twitter party and nobody came? And then it's just... (laughs) Ben sort of lonely tweeting message after message and no one responding, right? So I'm glad – on the one hand, I'm sorry you were stressed. On the other other hand, I'm glad that somebody showed up to your party. Me too. (laughs) Look, I I would be – I would much rather it be, oh, that was hard and and I know what to expect if I do it again than – Oh man, no one cared about me or my stuff or Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. 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 So it was – um, yeah, it was, it was good for that. And I, you know, I, I'm not a, um, card carrying IFT communicator or, or member. So it was nice. It was nice to be that, that IFT reached out to me to, to be part of it. Cause I'm doing some of this stuff on Twitter already. Yeah. So it was, well, that, what was the, what was the context by which they reached out? Um, so John Copeland and Kathy Cutter, huh. um, had, uh, sent me an email CCing the IFT media group, mm. um, Stephanie Kaplan, I think it is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, saying, uh, we've had a discussion about maybe doing an IFT sponsored Twitter chat around nice. back to school food safety. Yeah. Would you be interested in being part of it? And I was like, yeah, I mean that, that it, it was this like, yeah, that seems like that'll be really easy for me to to do while I'm doing other stuff, and <laughs> and, and uh, you know, and I just didn't know what. To, and not that I was going to be like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll monitor this, but it, it it's a way that you know, I didn't have to go give, I didn't have to travel anywhere to give a talk. I didn't right. have to uh, plan something in a webinar. I didn't have to, you know, all the the logistics of communicating. I just needed to know 
what the messages were and then try and uh, be part of this conversation, which was just a different type of challenge, but it was kind of, it was cool. So, I mean, as soon as they asked, it was like, yeah, be, be totally into that. And I'll, and I'll, I think I'll do something like this again. It was nice that it was, that I, I was just an invited guest to the party. You know, like if I threw my own Twitter party and I don't know if I, if, if the right people will come. But they threw the Twitter party and invited me to lead the discussion, and that seemed to work. Right. Um, and so, so, and so they handled <clears throat> kind of the the promotion aspect of it, and right. you just sort of showed up and did your thing. Yeah, yeah. And they had they have their own group of writers and uh, bloggers that they interact with um, in an ongoing way. And so they uh, they said, well, we're going to send it out and see if we can get some promotion uh, out there through through that group. And 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 then you you come and show up and do your thing. So I had to think a little bit about. All right. How am I going to logistically start this off? You know, they may ask a question about some tips. All right. Well, what tips do I have in, mm-hmm. in you know 140 characters? Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was it was cool. And I did um, the first one I did at home while we were all eating dinner. Mm-hmm. So so it was great. You know, boys are there and I'm doing stuff with them and then going to Twitter every mm-hmm. couple of minutes and, and checking it out. The second one, I started in my office and it seemed to be a huge flood right at the start on hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. And then I drove to campus from my office, which is about a three mile drive. And it was great because I could, I like walked to my car and I answered a couple of things. I got in my car and at a stoplight, I answered one and then I had to park my car hmm. and I had my phone. Like it, it, that's the way it's supposed to, like I wasn't hmm. hitched to one piece of technology. I yeah. started it on my computer, oh, wow. finished it on my phone, walked, did it while I walked somewhere. It was really good. Hmm. Um, from a like you know on the delivery side of things. Mm-hmm. Oh, really interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, so so anyway, and then uh, food safety news picked it up and created a whole Storify page on it on on my tweets. Hmm. Um, and yeah, so it was it, it it was just a little different than than anything I'd been um, been at before. But they asked. I mean, there are some good questions. Like here's here's a bit of a leading one that I'll I'll read to you. Um, I had answered something, oh, about um, uh, cooling or keeping foods cool. And then someone said, are there any foods that are riskier than others? I'm guessing mayo and eggs are two of them. Hmm. And, and so, I, you know, let me see if I can pull up exactly how I answered. But I think I said, well, I mean, temperature control for any of the, you know, low acid, high moisture foods is is a problem. Mayo and, and mayo in a commercial sense has a um, a, a low um, you know, high, high acidity or low pH or whatever I said, um, and probably isn't going to promote the growth. But if, as soon as you add in other foods, uh, that becomes a problem. But trying to do that in 140 characters was kind of a pain in the ass. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, well, and you know, this discussion is reminding me of a paper that you asked me about, I think, which was, uh, recently published on risky school food lunches. Right, and I wanted to talk about it, but I can't find uh, the the paper anywhere because I think it's it's relevant to the safety of school food lunches, but it's also relative. It's it's important to talk about from a risk perspective. So, uh, and uh, are you I'll, talking about? Is it a paper on leafy greens? No, it was temperatures. A, the one that I published. <laughs> 
No, it wasn't, wasn't a paper you published, Ben. Um, it was, um, it was a, it was basically an article that talked about, um, they did a survey of school food lunches and they found uh, a very high fraction were out of, were in the danger zone. And, and my response to that was, well, that's great. Obviously they collected lunch temperatures, but it matters whether something is at 45 or at 60, right? right. And, and, and I, it just was an example of, and again, not to, to slam it, but I'm going to slam it. It's just not a particularly well done study. I mean, yeah, duh. If you have lunches and you keep them out of temperature for a long time, their temperature is going to rise. But to, but, but what really matters is how much they rose and over what time period. Um, oh yeah, here we go. So here I found it. It's internal uh, temperature or uh, not these, uh, the external temperatures by infrared as opposed to the temperature of the food as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the, the title of the article is temperature of foods sent by parents of preschool age children. And the objective was to measure the temperatures of foods in sack lunches of preschool age children before consumption at childcare centers. And it's a great idea. Uh, they collected, uh, you know, 200 or 705 lunches. Uh, they, they, you know, they measured which ones had ice packs, which ones didn't. Um, they, you know, looked at perishable items and there were over a thousand perishable items, um, you know, that were, you know, potentially out of temperature control. And they concluded that a majority of lunch items greater than 90% were at unsafe temperatures. And it's like, well, yeah, that's kind of true. I mean, that's a true statement, but it says nothing about actual risk. So right. anyway, I had some, yeah, I, I was, I was not impressed with this particular study. So, and, and it is, it is, is relevant to the issue of school food safety. And I think, I think you touched on this a little bit in your Twitter conversation. And I think you had some pretty sensible things to say about, about time and temperature. I, yeah, I tried to. And I mean, I, we get into this weird spot, right? Where I, I, uh, it's the rule of of Pete Snyder, um, where I, whatever I say, I want to make sure that that I have some data to back it up. And I mean, it's not that's not revolutionary. That's what we that's what we're supposed to do. But but there's this always nagging voice in my head of is if I say this, is Pete Snyder going to email me? You know, going back to <laughs> to info sheets, or if I write about it because Pete because Pete knows the, he knows the data, he knows the growth world. And, and this is where things break down between that fight back USDA, um, number of keep things refrigerated. If it's going to be out, uh, at room or you don't keep it out at room temperature more than two hours versus the food code that's based on a whole bunch of data that says four hours is all right. I, I stuck with the food code numbers for this. Um, and, but talked about, it's a time and temperature thing. And from a very practical situation with, with lunches, I, I know that if I keep it refrigerated until my kids go to school at eight o'clock in the morning, which is when, when I drive Jack to school, that even if he's got, um, some, uh, you know, uh, foods that require time temperature for public health control, uh, T- TCS foods, mm-hmm. uh, or potentially hazardous foods, um, that he's going to eat at 11 
And I've got a three-hour window there that it's probably going to be all right. Now, that's assuming that it's in in this room, in his school room, which is going to be set at like 73 degrees. And ambient temperature is not going to be um, uh, above that. It's different. So, so I said that. I basically said that's that's the that's my my goal. And I'm fortunate in a sense that he doesn't eat a lot of. Um, foods that require temperature for public health con- or time temperature for public health control at all. Anyway, um, you know, we're not, I'm not sending them with um, uh, with a lot of uh, cooked foods, and uh, we got a lot of low moisture foods, so he's mm-hmm. he's he's fine uh, on that. But but these are that was a you know a, a question out there. It's like well, but these are both. It's not just about keeping refrigerated. It's about time and temperature. Well, and 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 again, if you happen to send him to school with a peanut butter sandwich that's made with peanut butter that contains salmonella, right. guess what? He's getting sick. And and if you send him to school with cut cantaloupe um, that has listeria on it, um, he may get sick even with good temperature control and maybe the risk is going to go up with poor temperature control. So, yeah. you know, I mean, the uh, on the one hand, my, my message to people is, yeah, of course, keep get the food cold, but don't worry too much about it. You know, yeah. I mean... There's uh, other things in play, right? That right. Are, that are going to take care of it or right. not that you couldn't... Yeah, absolutely. That are out of your control, which is not a... You know, it's a much simpler message to say, oh, uh, four, 40 to 140 and uh, keep it cold. But keep it cold. Yeah. And, you know, and we love to we love to to bash on the, the fight back people. But they actually they had a recent webinar on um, cross contamination, which, you know, having some interest in that area, I listened to. And it was actually surprisingly good. There were not a lot of things that. Um, I could be obnoxious and comment about. So I, I thought I thought it was actually pretty uh, pretty good. And, and speak, speaking of our friend Pete Snyder, um, in response, I, I think probably in response to the academic uh, minute piece uh, that that aired with me talking about our hand washing research, yep. he, he he emailed me with suggestions for experiments, which I was like, yeah, it's like that's yeah, thanks Pete. We actually thought about that, and we don't have money to do that. I mean, that was basically my answer to all of his questions: is that's a really good idea. We don't have money to do that. And he sent me a message back saying, so it sounds like mostly you just need money for research. <laughs> I said, that's right, Pete. But again, but he, again, he's, this is a guy who has thought long and hard about this stuff. And it shows in his questions because he's asking, I mean, he asked a question about volume of water and it's like, yes, volume of water is probably going to be an important variable. Um, you know, just like, you know, we, and we were studying quantity of soap. We were studying, um, you know, rinse time or friction, you know, friction time and then amount of friction. So we get, anyway, very nice detailed discussion, but uh, again, and very, and very good questions from him, you know, just based on stuff that I couldn't really talk about in this academic minute piece, because apparently I had, <laughs> I had a, a short, well, not apparently I did have a very short amount of time, which apparently makes me sound very, I had a couple of people comment that, that I sounded very serious or something. Very, very professional. You yeah, were, very professional. Yes. Yeah, you were really trying to hit your your message marks because you knew you only had a little. I bit had of time. to. I had. Yeah. I mean, that was and that was the third. So the way that this academic minute thing works is you write a script and they give you they tell you you know a certain number of words target and then they want it to be a certain length and, and like down to the second like plus or minus wow. and so I'm reading this thing and trying to go as fast as I can, but not sound like I'm going fast because I, I had kind of already edited the piece down to, you know, uh, a concise number of words that told the story that I wanted to tell. But yeah, people, <laughs> I was just very, uh, I hadn't gone back and listened to it, but I number of people just, I was surprised by people who had commented essentially about my tone in, in delivering this, uh, this piece. 
Excellent. Well, and, and Doug got to use one of his favorite lines on you. When did you become so professional? Yes, that was it. Yes, that was, that was it. it. That was straight, it. Straight out of the top, one of the top five movies of all time, almost famous. Yes, I, I of course, didn't, you didn't catch, catch the, that. But then he explained it to you, me. Why so. would you? Exactly. Right. Because you can't be thinking, is, is this from Airplane? Is it from Animal House? Is it from WKRP? Uh, I, or, I just, or almost I just, famous? I just thought it was Doug. It was from Doug. It was just Doug, yeah. <laughs> just being, being, a, being a, just, you know, just, just winding me up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so you ready for the quiz? Oh, I am. Um, so I did an interview last week on something. I, I don't know what it was. And um, this is a, a very, like, mathy risk kind of question that I got that I immediately thought, oh, got to ask Schaffner the same thing. So um, the discussion was about like just general food safety stuff. And, and it had a little bit to, you know, some, someone's covering um, uh, food safety month. So they're talking about uh, where do people get sick and what do we know about food safety and what happens in outbreaks and that kind of stuff. And then the interviewer said, you, you know, this is, this is her asking me, you personally, what do you think is the riskiest food thing that you do? Hmm. Not what foods do you avoid? Not you know the the what can a consumer do, but but it was like really like what do you do that you would say is the riskiest thing? So it could be on this paradigm of risky to not risky that it's still a low risk, but it's the what you know what would I measure? So do you how do you want to do this? Do you want me to tell you what I said? Ah, I think I'm going to put you on the spot. No, no, don't don't tell me what yeah. you said. Um, I would have to say. So that's a, so. First of all, this is a really good question. It's amazing, right? right? Yeah. Because it, it it immediately says, "Okay, we've just had this conversation about risk, but now tell me what you do to break the rules." So, and it's not. Uh, I mean, I could give some silly answer based on what I know, but it's like, okay, given everything that I know about food safety and right. given our previous discussions about how it's complicated and how sometimes maybe simplistic extension messages get it wrong, right? Given all of that, what is the riskiest thing that I do? Oh, um, and it also like yeah. while, you, while you're thinking of it, it does something else. Mm. It tell it, it tells them what your risk tolerance is a little bit. Right, like it's given all this stuff. What are you comfortable with? Yeah. What are you? What are you personally comfortable with? And yeah. what? And there's, I mean, all this stuff. Just like when we're going back to talking about GE Foods, there's all these trade offs. Right, so, right. And I would say, let me give, let me give two things. Um, uh, to food, both food safety things, but uh, but unrelated, I would say, which which and, and both are highly amusing given what a, yeah. <laughs> exactly what it is I do for a living. Um, I will confess, Ben. Um, sometimes I um don't wash my hands for twenty seconds with soap. Okay, so that's number one. Okay, but, I don't. But wait a right? second. Let me challenge you on that one. Okay. And. and- uh, amazingly, basically, because you just uh, did a Hollywood minute on uh, on food safety and hand washing. <laughs> really, that's a hard one for you to calculate because we don't have a good, lot of good data on twenty seconds versus fifteen versus. Yes, five. that is true. So, um, <laughs> that's a good point, but I, I do. I mean, I do no, want to okay. fess up to that. Um, I'll give you and, that. Okay. That's okay, fine. and then the other one is sometimes when I am temping a piece of meat on the grill. I will say, oh, screw it. It's good enough. 
Yeah. Okay. And, and, and again, in part, it's because I've repeatedly tried to tempt that piece of meat and I know it's probably cooked. And for some reason I just keep opening the grill or I flip it or what. And I know, I know that it's cooked and I just, um, I just can't, you know, the grill is hot and it's burning my hand and I just can't, I haven't gotten that magic number on that piece of meat yet, but it's like, you know, it's probably good enough. So those are, those are the, the two, I would say the two things, the two risky things that I, um, that I do. That's good. Those that that's good. You're, you are totally on the track that, um, that I was, that, that I was at. And I looked at it a little differently and, and did not talk about my specific, risk reduction actions, like, you know, the, what, what was I doing? But I, two types of foods that I have no control over food that I choose to eat because I like them. Mm -hmm. One, I eat a lot of salsa, fresh salsa or pico de gallo that Mm -hmm. has a lot of cilantro in it Uh, mm -hmm. from restaurants. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, so I have, so that was the first thing that came to my mind to answer this is, um, here, here are the risk factors with that. We know cilantro has, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. You did this quick analysis on the MDP um, program for some talk, of, I don't know, a year ago or so that showed that of all of the things that USDA had tested as part of MDP, cilantro rose to the top as being the, you know, most contaminated uh, product based on, on their data with salmonella. We know that there's been a whole bunch of problems with, with cilantro, but I love cilantro. Love hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and, and it's, so I know that there's a risk there. Then I, I confound that risk by putting that cilantro into a mixture that may or may not be temperature controlled. At a, at a restaurant and it's prepared by a food handler who is putting me at increased risk for other foodborne illnesses based on food handling. Uh, you know, and I just don't know about those other, I, I don't know what the temperature control situation is at the restaurants that I'll eat at. I don't know what the food hygiene is. I know that I'm starting with potentially a riskier product going into it. And so that was the one that, that popped to my mind for all of those reasons. If we were to do the, you know, this is me not, you know, being nerdy and not knowing the math, but if I was to multiply all those factors out, I'm com I'm, I'm, compounding my my risk level with that specific one and i will i don't i i i'm not i have not it's not gotten to a point where i'm avoiding that food mm-hmm. because and yet, but yet you know that it's relatively risky absolutely yeah yeah um, no that's uh, a, that's that's a good one i um i actually um will pick the cilantro off because i'm not a huge fan but but right. again Kristen, we love mexican food and Kristen cooks with cilantro a lot and a lot of times there are cilantro there's raw cilantro in those dishes and i just you know i just say oh well i'm gonna take a risk right right yep. yeah that's the it, and it's for you know for for me on the on the taste side it's worth it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and but of course i've not been stricken with anything that I, that I know of from mm-hmm. it. Um, so the other one was also produce related and it, um, for a similar situation, but it's buy, I buy a lot of berries at home, especially since, um, you know, since, uh, Mike Batts and I have been on the race to lose 600 pounds or whatever, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is winning clearly. Um, but, uh, I, I, the, the health, Food, you know, fruit consumption-wise, that I do not ever get sick of is are, are berries, and I eat um, I literally probably three pounds of strawberries a week, and probably um, 
four pints of raspberries a week. And, and I'm just constantly eating those, but they're, again, I, I, I try my best to buy from, um, from someone who I recognize their label, you know, the Driscoll's or whoever, there's lots of different, uh, you know, we, we mentioned lots of names. So, um, the, these berry companies, but, but ultimately I'm buying the berries that are there. Um, right. and I've not chosen to not buy them. Right. And I buy them at the farmer's market or I buy them at the grocery store. I just like to eat berries. And I know that they that, that there's a risk level there that I just can't control other than asking questions. But I haven't gotten to the point where I've avoided those berries. Right. Well, and again, you know, the famous words of Dean Cliver, the risks of not eating still outweigh the risks of eating. And most, again, as and I don't want to sound like an industry shill, but, you know, 99.9% of all berries are pathogen-free, probably even higher than that, right? Add a few more nines to that. So, yeah. and, and again, you know, the strawberries, I mean, there are berries, most berries, because they're so acidic, don't support pathogen growth, right? So, and again, that's not going to take, it's not going to, you know, mitigate, mitigate your risk if you're talking about viruses, which don't grow in cut fruit anyway. But if it's salmonella, well, it's not going to grow it's going to not it's going to grow in the cantaloupe it's not going to go in the, grow in the strawberries because the ph is too low so yeah and i would say again overall net net you know losing weight is good eating fresh berries because they're loaded with antioxidants and and good things for you you know again those are all good things so it's yeah. it's a it's not a um it's not a one-dimensional question right it's it's you have to and, and this is this comes up anytime we're talking about the safety of fresh fruits and vegetables. And I always try to open and close with that is that we as a country, uh, you know, are not healthy. We weigh too much and we should weigh less. And part of being able to do that is eating more fresh fruits and vegetables. So absolutely. absolutely. And that's why that question was so good, right? Like yeah. It allowed you and me to, to answer with, without making it simple. Right, well, like, and and it's the other thing is it it immediately puts me in a place that I want to be, which is that I'm an expert, and guess what? I'm human too, right? Yeah, and and, and instead, yeah, exactly. Instead of this idea that well, I'm I'm from the you know government, and I'm here to help you, or I'm from cooperative extension, and I'm going to tell you how to live your life. It's like, well, no, I'm going to tell you about the science. I'm going to explain the complexities. I'm going to explain the trade offs. And here's a, a personal anecdote that will let me do that. So yeah, fantastic question. It was it was good. Who knows what it'll, if it'll even make it? Maybe my answer was too drawn out, but uh, but it was inter- But it was it just made me think. That is a uh, w- whether the journalist knew how great a question it was or not. It was one that I that I immediately wrote and thought every qualifying exam that I'm going to go to for a food safety student, I'm going to ask that question because yeah. it, it makes it makes them think about what like that risk calculation and what they do and why they might make those decisions. It's yeah. like, you just gave me a PhD question. It's <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Amazing. It's a good one. It's a good sure. one. Um, Hey, speaking of, of this, apparently I didn't realize it was a, it was a, a battle to lose 600 pounds. So are you, <laughs> are you, are you using that same iPhone app that he uses? I use a different one. Oh, okay. Uh, mine uh, clearly by the outputs, uh, mine sucks next to his. I mean, Mike Batts has lost like 80 pounds or something. Well, I've lost I'm, like 25 I am I am I'm friends with him in the Lose It app, and he has lost as of today. He's lost seventy three pounds. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> I uh, I use an app called My Net Diary. Okay, uh, I don't know if it's the same. The thing that I like about this one, when I was looking at apps, this one allows 
do, um, I don't know. Does Lose It have a database that you can use your scanner? To... Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So yep. that that was the coolest thing was that. So I imagine they do similar, um, you know, similar things where I mean, just the fact of writing down what I'm eating seems to matter because then you know at the end of the day, like, oh yeah, I could have a something or oh, a bourbon. About, yeah, bur- exactly. <laughs> That's what it is for me. Yeah. Sometimes mine is uh, I can have a uh, hundred calories worth of ice cream. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, with yeah, not so much ice cream with me, but yogurt. It's like, oh, I can, yeah. I can have I can have uh, hundred calories of Greek yogurt. Yeah. So, all right. So we'll link to we'll link to both these. What's the one that you called? My weight. My net diary. And then I use. Um, I've been running a lot too, mm-hmm. and I use an app called Runtastic, mm-hmm. which uh, which is basically just a catalog of running and gives you a history it's like i I, the reason why i like playing video games when i was a kid um that were sports based is that you amass statistics over a period of time and in fact that's what i do now with my life Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) yeah Uh, and you're you're like a fitbit user i use i use fitbit and and the if you get the um so the Interesting thing about the Lose It. So first of all, Lose It app is is very positively reviewed in iTunes. Lots and lots of positive. It's like f- like four plus stars. Um, lots of positive reviews. It's free, and then you. It's it's not an in app purchase. It's basically a, a subscription. And so I bought the year's subscription, which gives me syncing with my Fitbit. Also, I have a, a Wi Fi aware scale, and so when I weigh myself on the scale, that goes into the app automatically. Oh, that's pretty um, cool. Yeah, and then in terms of the the food thing, it lets you create menus like, for example, Kristen made a frittata uh, for breakfast the other day. So I punched in all the ingredients. I, you know, We divided it into six pieces, so that's six servings, and then I could figure out, okay, I had a serving of frittata, and here's what it is. So it's very – you know the biggest the biggest problem with any kind of app like that and counting calories is oh my god you know how do i do this and having the barcode scanner having the ability to create recipes your own custom recipes like if you have a thing that you eat a lot that's a multi component food like there's a standard breakfast i have that's like turkey bacon eggs and a, a corn tortilla and i can just put that in it's like okay now that's like don's egg breakfast boom and and it's just like a one one click thing so anything that reduces friction and makes it easy for you to do those kind of things, um, you know, it, it lets you do that. And then again, in the in the Lose It app, you can put in exercises. Like I can uh, I can go and tell you, um, you know, because I'm friends with with Mike, I can go in and tell you what he's been doing for exercise. Um, so, for example, um, he spent 45 minutes. Sorry, Mike, for outing you, because um, I'm, I'm sure he's listening to this at some point. Yeah. Um, uh, he spent 45 minutes mowing the lawn, and so he burned 304 calories. So. And he, I don't know, I don't really under, I need to bug him about this. He spent an hour and 25 minutes doing carpentry <laughs> and apparently burned 327 calories. So it's amazing. What did he, <laughs> doesn't say what he built. Maybe a cabinet of sorts. <laughs> Could be. I don't know. I, I appreciate all of his carpentry work. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Well, it's, yeah. Uh, it, the, just tracking and, and making it sort of a, I don't know. It's not like a game, but it's... But well, it, it's, is. it is. It's. I mean, this is the thing, right? Gamification of, yeah. of whatever. I mean, it's kind of like writing buddies, which we've talked about before on the podcast or anything like that, where if you make it fun, you make it into a game, um, it just it makes you more inclined to do it. Yeah. And it gives you some, like, reason instead of, oh, I'm too busy to do that. It becomes this, oh, well, I'm going to do this because I need to... I got to get my points up. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Um so I know we had some notes. 
We did. Um, so, yeah, we've been going for an hour and 13 minutes. I have a 3 o'clock uh, phone call. Um, but, and we, we've sort of talked about some food safety stuff. Yeah. <laughs> in amidst the, the, the personal gamification and the, uh, the, 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 the pop culture. Um, yeah. Oh, and, I, you know, one of the things – so a couple things to, to talk about. Number one, um, which is, relates to this, uh, this gamification uh, calorie tracking thing, I podcast cheated on you again. Again, I know. Which, you know. Oh, no. I thought you meant like with Mike Bath. No, no, no. Oh. This was on a different podcast. Oh, so now now you're just rubbing it in my face. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, and then I wanted to so, – so and I've been sort of rethinking how – because we, we've got – we've had a sort of a change. So we have people helping us with show notes again, but – um, I've sort of got, I've, I've changed the way I've been prepping for the show. And so I figured out a different workflow on the iPad to throw stuff in Dropbox. And so, um, anyway, those are all n- not necessarily show, re- they're show related, but they're not necessarily food safety related things that we can talk about. But, um, I did want to give a, a plug to this podcast, um, uh, called better know a jackal. And and what it is is uh, there's a fellow uh, who is a five five by five uh, uh, fan, and and they are they are known as jackals. Uh, the uh, jackals in the chat room, people that hang out during. Uh, uh, back to work in the chat room or other five by five shows. And I found out from, from Merlin that a bunch of folks that I know that are kind of hangers on or peripheral, you know, like the, what's the, the Howard Stern's whack pack. I feel like we're kind of right, like right. Dan Benjamin's whack pack. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, I'm, I think, I think I'm Beetlejuice. <laughs> 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 he was always I my favorite. I haven't listened always... to that show since uh, Howard left, left Terrestrial Radio. Me, me either. Funny. It's, and I loved it. I mean, I mm-hmm. used to listen to it all the time, but... Oh, yeah. yeah, but uh, anyway, um, so uh, this is a show interviewing people that nominally hang out in the five by five chat room, or in the case of me, that, that are just you know fans of five by five. So uh, that's going to air on October 9th. So very nice interview with uh, with Mike uh, uh, Biesterfeld, I think is how he says his name. So um, we'll link to the, the the podcast feed for Better Know a Jackal. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this show has been all over the place. Fun. <laughs> what i do it for exactly uh, um hey so better know a jackal is that a uh what's your what's your screen name i know you're not on there yet but you're not uh wonder yak or no underscore i funk. no actually under you should i listen to the underscore funk that's a real good one uh richard a is another real good one and then virginia uh, those are the three episodes i've listened to before um i in when i'm in the chat room it's very boring i'm don schaffner <laughs> when did you get so professional <laughs> <laughs> uh, almost famous reference. Yes. Uh, good job, good job, nicely done. Oh man, um, yeah, we 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 have uh, we didn't prep so much, but we had lots to talk about today. Well, and I did a little bit of prep in that. Again, what I so my workflow now is so most of the news, most of the time when I'm reading news, I'm reading it on my iPad or on my iPhone. And then it occurred to me that it's a very, like my my workflow before was to email myself a link to a web page, which then I'd have to manually insert into a, our text file. And since we've now started dividing up the show into folders on Dropbox, I said, you know, there's got to be a way to print a PDF to Dropbox. And I, I bought an app uh, over the weekend that basically let me do that. So then I just was reading news, mostly, you know, like barf blog, posts, but then some other, other food safety related things, and then just printing stuff and just throwing it in the Dropbox. So there's a bunch of stuff that I had 
sort of collected, but it's a change to our workflow. And of course I didn't check out any of this with you. So and you anyway. know, I'm cool. I'm cool with it. Yeah. I like, I like yeah. what you did. Thanks. So you have to, what's the app so we can give them a plug? Oh yes. I don't have my iPad with me, but it is, and I don't think it's on my iPhone, but I will, uh, I will look it up and I will, we'll put it in show notes. Uh, but it's, but I'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll, yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll, I'll, I'll send you a message about it. All right, cool. Um, you know, so as I look at our headlines uh, on Barf Blog and some of the stuff, you know, Doug and I are always just emailing each other back and forth, saying we write for each other. We've mm-hmm. had some, so we've had some good headlines. As I look through one that you just put, which is <laughs> "Don't touch that knob." Norovirus <laughs> can be spread around an entire building within hours of contaminating one surface. Um, I also had a line yesterday. This is where I think I'm funnier than I really am. Um, which I use that. I don't. I think that's one of that's a WKRP line. Um, by the way, you mm-hmm. think you're funnier than you really are. Um, so yesterday I posted, I don't know if you had a chance to, to see this, but I, you know, we, we talked on the podcast a while ago, my, um, my, uh, um, situation where Jack got sick on a plane and what Delta. Oh did yes, it. I did. I did read it. Yes. Inoculating the plane. Inoculating the plane. Uh, yeah. Reference I, to the podcast. I did. I did. And, and also I use that, that exact story, um, at, a talk this year at IAFP about storytelling mm-hmm. to say, you know, I, you know, I, I had to come in and, and, and set the stage for all these, these stories that are going on. And, and so I gave a story and then try to di- dissect it on saying, here's what Kurt Vonnegut would say is the protagonist and the antagonist. And mm-hmm. here's where it all fits together. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this, I had that all in my mind and I realized that I had never written anything for the blog about airplane, um, that, you know, that, that story. So I didn't tell the whole story, but anyway, there was something in USA Today yesterday about, um, uh, Ebola, um, transmission through airplanes and, and that, um, people are often finding like dried blood and urine and vomit on, on planes. And there was a really good passage, um, in there. So anyway, I just wrote a little bit about that stuff and wrote at the end, while there have been many plane-linked outbreaks, a quick overnight servicing with a wipe-down could explain reoccur- reoccurring noro events. And I really thought that I was being extremely clever with my entendres there, but no one's mentioned it. <laughs> so that's I think that's funny stuff. Just, um, like, just like don't touch that knob. <laughs> well, don't touch that knob is good. Um, See, a quick overnight quick servicing overnight. with a wipe-down. Is, is hilarious. <laughs> Sorry. Too clever by half. I'm a little slow, but yes, yes. Uh, I, I only now I'm getting that. That's why no one gets me, Don. No well, they, they do. It's just, uh, it's just, I'm just not that quick, Ben. I'm, maybe I'm just not doing it right. No, I think you're doing it just exactly right. Oh, right for the audience you want, not the audience you have. I did. So let me tell you that I did have the best comment on this uh uh this post from troy huffman who's a um uh uh, environmental health specialist in nebraska so i include a picture that i got from google image search of of uh, it looks like a a husband consoling uh his wife while she's vomiting into a, a bag right and and troy's um, message was considering all the prescription drugs and, and l- a b- bottle of liquor she has. I'm surprised that all she's doing is vomiting. <laughs> no, yes, I. Yeah. It might be a good thing she's tossing her cookies out overdosing. Oh, which yeah. I didn't actually notice, but yeah, she's got a little mini bottle of Jack Daniels yeah, and a whole bunch yeah. of <laughs> yeah, and then prescription bottles. I see that. Yeah. 
<laughs> Fantastic. So yeah. Um uh let's it's a, it's an hour and 22 minutes. Let's call that a show unless there's something else you wanted to uh talk about. No, I think uh, I think this was uh, this was an interesting one. <laughs> it was. It's fun. We you know what? Let's get back to our normal schedule of uh outbreak uh um, oh, we didn't back. even we didn't even do we outbreak did, flashback. We did. We got to get, but we got to get it back in the flow. Well, the, the, the outbreak flashback is on summer hiatus, right? It is. It is. We're waiting for a new season <laughs> of outbreak flashback. And in fact, I think we need some more outbreaks. <laughs> so that's on you, listeners. Tell <laughs> tell us what weird outbreak or not weird outbreak you want us to try and dissect um, based on going to the Wikipedia page. And and uh, and finding the primary literature about it. Um, so give us give us some some stuff for outbreak flashback. Indeed. All right, Don. As always, this is great. Um, haven't checked out the uh, iTunes page to see if anybody's rated us in a while, but uh, but I, I do get um, randomly people email me or co- you know talk talk to me or I was uh, I gave a talk. Um, not a talk, like a workshop to some environmental health specialists today. Uh, and someone said, um, uh, introduced me to somebody else says, Oh, he has a really great podcast with that guy from Rutgers. Oh, that's nice. It was really nice. So people listen and that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, and, and actually that was a couple of things that I, I also wanted to talk to you about. We are, for some reason, there was one day when we had three people subscribe to the podcast to our, um, to our email newsletter about the podcast. So, so thanks to them for subscribing. And we, every, Every week or so, you know, just little by little, we we're building our listener base. At least folks that that sign up for the email newsletter. Um, I did get a message from a colleague of mine in Spain, Emiliano Quinto, who said that he listens via the link on the web and it gets partway through the episode and then stops working. So that's not something we can control, unfortunately. I've heard reports of that from other people. Um, not much you can do about that except maybe um, get a podcast app, either you the iTunes app or uh, downcast or overcast, um, you know, get, you know, find a podcast app that you like and then, or, or use iTunes and sync it to your, you know, li- listen from your iTunes on your computer or sync it to your, uh, information device. So, um, lots of great ways to listen and, and, uh, just we, thanks to all the listeners for doing it. Um, and again, if you have not rated the show in iTunes, it would be great if you could, if you could do that for us, um, and tell us, you know, how you think we're doing. And and then also there's a feedback page on the website. Send us feedback. Um, if there's stuff that we, um, you'd like us to talk about, if you have a suggestion for outbreak flashback, or if there's just something, um, you want to share, uh, from your own life or that you want us to talk about, just uh, send us a message. We're, and we're happy to do it. Absolutely. And, uh, we, this, this is a show, for well, we do it because we like each other, but also it's nice uh, we do stuff for the listeners. So if uh, if there's anything um, specific you want us to talk about, uh, you got lots of ways to find us. So thanks, thanks again. All right, well I think that's uh, that's probably it. So Don, I will uh, I'll talk to you later. All right, talk to you later, Ben. Bye bye.
Cool. All right. I have a uh, somewhat hard out as well. And uh, in 10 minutes, I have to go get a haircut. Ooh. Well, in 25 minutes, I have to leave in 10 minutes. Okay. So I've got, so we're good. So it was, it was perfect. That was good. I, sometimes the unstructured ones are really fun. I mean, we, it feels like we both had a lot to say today. Like yeah. More, like, like stuff we needed to talk about. Yeah. It was good. The, you're taking care of the whole notes audio for this one we just recorded. <laughs> I, I have a, like, I have like a, in a sense of posting it to <laughs> someone, you own it, right? Um, I have no idea. I have a, I have a cryptic post-it that's been living on my laptop, um, that, that says what I'm supposed to do, which I was supposed to put into OmniFocus, which I didn't do. <laughs> um, so I have FST 818, which is a date, audio, arrow, that's you. GB? I don't know what that means. I, yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's, uh, yeah, so let, let's, let's, <laughs> let's get organized. Cool. Um, cool. And I didn't, I haven't listened to the bats episode yet, but I'm going to take it tomorrow. I'm flying to, uh, to see our good friend, Michelle MDD mm-hmm. from the podcast. And, um, I'm going to, uh, listen to the bats, the bats conversation. Oh, very good. Yeah, it was it was good. I I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I re-listened to it, and it was it was good. And he's a, he's always a very good and, and entertaining uh, guest. Yeah, I like that guy. <laughs> I do too. Oh, bad. Uh, okay, cool. Well, um, you go do your thing at three. I'm gonna go get my haircut. All right, sounds like a plan. I uh, will talk to you later. All right, bye, Ben. Bye.